0: Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining me. Today is August the 15th of 2016, and the day in western Kentucky uh, we're forecasted for rain and um, temperatures in the 80s, summertime. Well, it'll be what it will be. Heavenly Father, I just give thanks for this day, and I just pray, Lord, that you just be with each and every one, and bless the years that here and lord just the seeds that are planted and father i just pray for those that are are hurting at this time at this moment lord whether they are or their loved ones or people around them lord i just pray that you extend a grace of mercy and love and peace and calm and healing where it is needed and also heavenly father i pray for our nation Lord during this political season the rhetoric is harsh the matters the things that we face are grave and Lord I just pray that you just touch our hearts and lead us to the one that you will have guide us through this dark period of time as we begin a new political uh, arena session Lord I just pray that you just be with us as a nation and may we become repentant upon and rely upon you and not our own, because you are the one who established this great nation, dear Lord, through men that loved you, trusted, and obeyed. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just be with each and every one of us today. Guide us safely through it. In your Son Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. See Heaven Open, Where God and Man Come Together. And I'm reading, of course, Know the Words of Jesus in 30 Days, the guidepost uh, um, put it together by J. Stephan Lang. At the heart of it today, Jesus, who is God in human form, teaches about the nature of true worship, revealing that sometimes greater than old forms of religion has come to earth. He is also shows that he is the Messiah very different from what most people expected and the memory verse you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man and that's John chapter 1 verse 51 today's chapter could be titled new and improved for the saying All have common theme of Jesus revealing things about faith and worship that supersedes the religion of the time. Jesus is a Jewish teacher, but a unique one, one sent directly from God, in fact, God himself. He honors the Jewish temple but speaks of higher form of worship, God and man meeting in himself, not in a building. And in one of the most puzzling of his sayings, he reveals the Messiah to be not only Israel's king, but its priest as well, the mediator between God and man. Be forewarned, this will be a rewarding chapter, but not an easy one. You may need uh, to hear it again, but slower, and reflect a little longer than usual, but we hope the investment will be worth it. The key term for today is temple. Though Jesus respected the temple in Jerusalem, his disciples came to understand that the real person, where God and man came together, was not in any building, but in Jesus himself. A Teacher Without Footnotes When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as the teachers of the law. And that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. The Jews were amazed, and how did this man get much such learning without having studied? And Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. And that's John chapter 7, verse 14 and 16. The typical Jewish teacher of Jesus' time taught with footnotes. That is, they would constantly refer to the other great teachers of the past, citing them as the authorities for his own teaching. Jesus most definitely did not do this, and and his not doing it provoked both awe and contempt. When Matthew speaks of the crowd's reaction to Jesus' authoritative teaching most virgins have astonished but the word really means alarmed jesus rattled the people with his words in a good way his words rattled the religious establishment even more people seem to smell authority like something in the air the fact that Jesus did not follow the traditional thus and great rabbi so-and-so formula did not seem to diminish him in the eyes of the mass, quite the contrary. People with weighty personalities have the power. The key to what the New Testament says about Jesus teaching in his own authority is in John 1, where Jesus is identified with the Word, who was with God from the beginning. Jesus does not preface this saying with thus saith the Lord, or hear the word of the Lord because he is the divine word itself the same idea is found in the opening of the letter to the Hebrews in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son and that's John chapter 1, 1 and 2 a cultural insight here. Jesus' education. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? But studied that meant higher education under the approved rabbis. Jesus was not totally unschooled, however. Growing up in Nazareth, in a devout home, he would have had a teacher, probably a, a Shazan, which is C-H-A-Z-Z-A-N, the officer of the local synagogue in the synagogue school. The Jewish boys would have learned the Old Testament from the age 5 or 6 to 10. Oddly, study of the Bible began with Leviticus, then the rest of the, um, the Penta, Penta, then the prophets, than the writings. Leviticus, one of the least-read books of the Bible today, was considered important because it taught the ordinance every Jew needed to know. After age ten, some students would have studied the traditions, the interpretations of the law, and after fifteen, the brighter students went on into the rabbinic academics. Obviously, Jesus did not attend one of these higher academies and judging from the component, he often showed for the traditions, he did not study them either or perhaps studied them just enough to know how trifling and man-made, not God-inspired they were. The important part of his education seems to have been strictly the Bible and of course his awareness His personal relationship with God instead of speaking through the prophets as in the times past God is speaking directly to men living among them as one of them as God in flesh Jesus was a higher authority than the prophets higher even than Moses whom the rabbis and Pharisees regarded as a supreme authority Jesus does not bring the proclamation but is the proclamation not just the words he speaks but his actions his whole life are a reflection of God in fact the Greek word that John uses Lagos can be translated word and Lagos is L-O-G-O-S but can also mean revelation Though only John calls Jesus the Word, the idea is present in the New Testament for the rest of the Asat. Apostles talk of preaching the Word of God or the Word of the Lord. They equate the Word with Jesus. The man is the message. The rabbis and scribes of Jesus' day enjoyed arguing. They turned it into a pastime, the way men today discuss sports or hobbies. But there was an urgency in Jesus' ministry that did not allow for such frivolity. He had a job to do. State the truth and let the chips fall where they may. When he responded to questions from the Pharisees and scribes, he used their question as a springboard to further teaching. He did not get into the game of public debate, for he had men's salvation on his agenda. In his great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus very clearly and deliberately departed from the traditions of the rabbis and scribes. He was speaking not as one of them, always citing earlier rabbis and their opinions, but as one revealing directly the will of God. A scribe always appealed to earlier tradition and showed his own teaching was in harmony with it. Jesus repeated it. But I say to you, is an alarming break with the tradition. Jesus was given his commission to preach, not by the scribes, but by the Father. He did not footnote his teachings except by occasional quotes from the law itself. He went to the written law given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai, eliminating the middlemen, the dozens of rabbis with their contradictory interpretations and mass of regulations strictly speaking Jesus was not ordained or accredited teacher there was a form of ordination of rabbis at which three other previously ordained persons had to be present an ordained rabbi was officially given the title rabbi meaning teacher and in legal disputes his judgments were binding. Obviously, not all rabbis were given this official recognition. Jesus himself was called rabbi, but never was given official recognition by the establishment. The leader sees Jesus as an outsider, one who did not pass through the school of the rabbis. The rabbis assumed that if anyone displayed wisdom and insight, he had have studied with them. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? And that's John chapter 7, 15. The answer was from God. This lack of accreditation by the Jewish establishment did not bother the first Christians who saw Jesus as having authority from God, not from any human agency. Great as the law of Moses was, sometime greater had been given to man. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and that's John chapter one verse seventeen. Jesus has been found worthy of a greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself, and that's Hebrews chapter three verse three. In Acts four thirteen, the apostle Peter and John will both be referred to as agramente uneducated by the authorities. In the mysterious ways of God, the uneducated and unaccredited are often much closer to God than the wise and the scholarly are. The Heaven and Earth Connection Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching he said of him, He is a true Israelite, in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked? And Jesus answered I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you, then Natalia declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe me because I told I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that's John chapter 1, verse 45 through 51. In this episode, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, finds his friend Nathanael and tells him he has found the one that Moses and the prophets foretold, that he is the Messiah. Nathanael's sneer about Nazareth reflects the belief that the Messiah would definitely not come from anywhere in Galilee. Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up in, is often thought of as a secluded, unimportant backwater. But in fact, one of the great caravan routes passed by it, and Jesus would have been seeing people of all tribes in its streets. So Jesus' upbringing was not as provincial as people imagine. However, Nathaniel's opinion of the town was probably typical. Though Nathanael's first words strike us to be catty, he is a good and decent man at heart, as Jesus perceives when he calls him a true Israelite, and whom there is nothing false. Nathaniel, like all devout Jews, thought of himself as an Israelite, his nation and people as Israel. Jesus almost never referred to themselves as Jews, which was essentially a Gentile word. Calling Jesus King of Israel was high praise for the Jews of that time would have been called their king by the name if they had one and they would not have called him King of the Jews. The title of the Romans placed on Jesus' cross and also the official title of the despised King Herod. Clearly Jesus and Nathanael impressed each other. Jesus saw in some supernatural way, Nathanael sitting under his fig tree. This made a deep impression, but obviously something else was at work. Nathanael, the true Israelite, sees immediately what must others could not. Jesus is the man sent from God. This is the first instance in John's Gospel of Jesus using Amen, Amen to introduce a pronouncement. It occurs 25 times in John and literally is truly, truly, meaning the words following are of uttermost seriousness. Used for emphasis, it could easily be translated, believe me. The present translation has, I tell you the truth. Jesus promised Nathanael that he and other true Israelites will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man himself. John's first readers would have known Jesus was referring to the Bethel episode in Genesis 28, where the patriarch Jacob camps out for the night and has his famous dream of the stairway to heaven with the angels going and coming, up and down on it. More important, he heard the voice of God promising him the land on which he was sleeping, and the countless descendants. A character close-up here, Jacob in the Gospels. The patriarch, Jacob, was the grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac, and twin brother of Esau, whom he tricked out of his inheritance. The Jacob saga in Genesis presents Jacob as a bit of a rogue, but he has many adventures mature him including his famous dream of the stairway to heaven and that's Genesis 28 and his equally famous wrestling match with an angel or God in which he receives a new name Israel, meaning struggles with God. through his twelve sons Jacob became ancestor of the twelve tribes of Israel in Luke 1 chapter 33. The angel Gabriel tells Mary that she will bear the divine son who will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The Gospels make it clear that his kingdom is a spiritual one, not a restored kingdom of Israel, which most of the Jews prayed for. In Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, the woman Ask Jesus, Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Clearly the answer is yes. For the Gospels take pains to show that faith in Jesus is what matters, not physical descent from the patriarchs. Worth remembering in our English New Testament, the Greek name Lakobos. L-A-K-O-B-O-S, Jacob, is rendered James. When you see the name James in the New Testament, the name, man's name, was actually Jacob. And it was a common name, evidence of respect, the Jews felt for the famous ancestor. Finally, God promised Jacob, I'm with you, and will watch over you wherever you go. And that's uh, chapter 28 and 15. Of Genesis the Jews were found the Jews were fond of this story from Genesis since it reaffirmed God's promise to Jacob's grandfather Abraham promises of both land and descendants but in John's gospel Jesus presented as something greater than Abraham Jacob and the other great men of Israel's past when Jesus tells Nathanael that he will see angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. He is saying that the past promises to Israel are being fulfilled in himself. Jacob had only a fleeting dream in which he saw a stairway to heaven and heard the voices of God. But in Jesus, God is in fact present among men, living as one of them. Jesus comes from heaven, lives as a man, and ultimately returns to heaven. The angels symbolize communication. Heaven and earth are connected, not separated. The fact that the Son of God is also the Son of Man is important. Heaven and earth divine, and heaven meet in Jesus. This verse is one of the few places in the Gospel that depicts Jesus as the mediator between God and man, heaven and earth. Paul may have had his verse in mind when he wrote that there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Jesus Christ and that's first Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 a stoneless temple then the Jews demanded of him what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this and Jesus answered them destroy this temple and I will rise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. And that's John chapter 2, verse 18 and 23. Or 22. John's account of the cleansing of the temple, Jesus driving out the money changers not near the end of Jesus' ministry as in the other Gospels, but at the beginning were the possibility two different instances or just one. And John chose to place it differently in the narrative. Or did the other Gospels place the event in the last week of Jesus' life because it seemed to fit the story of growing hostility to Jesus? We can't know for sure, but it is interesting that in John the act to the demand of the Jews meaning the religious leaders for a miraculous sign to back up Jesus' authority to cleanse the temple. His answer must have startled them for clearly they took great pride in the magnificent temple even if they detested the man, Herod who was responsible for its splendor. Work had been going on for 46 years and would continue for many more. The Jews were right to take pride in the building and the fact that Jesus did not want it used as a marketplace proves he respected its spiritual purpose. But in all the Gospels he proposed proposed its destruction knowing that the relentless the restlessness of the Jews under Roman rule would eventually erupt into open revolt in the Romans knowing what the temple meant to the Jews would destroy it completely John's gospel was probably written in the nine hundreds or 90s and the destruction of the temple was in the year 70 so his re- readers would have known that the whole system of the temple priests and sacrifices had been swept away never to return But to Jesus' followers, this was not important, for no temple was needed as a meeting place for God and man. They met in the man Jesus. Before the physical temple was destroyed, the greater temple, Jesus' body, was destroyed, but raised to new life. We see in Acts that Christians, even those who continued to worship in the temple, saw it as unnecessary, as Paul said, in one of his sermons the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and that's Acts chapter 17 verse 24 the Jews ask for a miraculous sign Jesus not give them one at the time but promises one even greater than they expected he will destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days as so often happens in John, Jesus' listeners misunderstand him, taking his word literally. He is not speaking of the literal temple, which has become a marketplace, but of the real meeting place of God and man himself. The meaning here is the same as in the words to Nathanael about the angels of God descending and ascending upon him. Jesus is where heaven and earth, God and man, meet together. At his trial, his words about the temple would again be taken literally and used against him for the false witnesses say, We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days will build another not made by man. And that's Mark chapter 14, verse 58. Dying on the cross, he hears the mocker saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days save yourself and that's Matthew chapter 27 verse 40 John chapter 2 verse 22 indicates an important part of the gospel story so much of what Jesus said was not fully understood until after the fact after his crucifixion and resurrection had opened the disciples eyes to the deeper meaning of the words and deeds. Throughout the gospel, the disciples proved themselves amazingly slow to understand Jesus. Untempled Worship Believe me, woman, in a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth and the woman said I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And that's John chapter 21 verse 26. We will continue reading See Heaven Open on Wednesday. In the meantime, have a blessed day. Be kind to one another. And if you have an opportunity to reach out and Help someone, do so. Do in faith. Heavenly Father, I just give thanks for this opportunity to share these words. And Lord, I just pray that you bless the ears of those that hear. And for those that do not know you, may they come to know you, dear Lord. May seeds be planted. For Heavenly Father, you are truly great and awesome. I love you. I love you. And I just give you all the praise and thanks in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. In the meantime, have a great and glorious day. Be blessed, and we will see you Wednesday.